You're listening to Give Your Life Away, a devotional podcast from Canyon Bible Church of Prescott designed to equip you with the truth of God's Word and encourage you in the pursuit of ascribing glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the Give Your Life Away podcast. Today we're going to answer the question, what does it look like to be committed to your church? What does it look like to be committed to your church? I'm actually going to take the the points of this podcast from a really helpful book by Thabiti Anwalibe. It's called What is a Healthy Church Member? So What is a Healthy Church Member is the name of the book, and this specific chapter is on being a committed member, someone who actually is involved and joins the church to be a blessing to the church. And so in this chapter on being a committed church member, Anwalibe gives eight Uh, examples of what it looks like to be a committed church member. So I'm just going to walk through those examples, and uh, Lord willing, these will be beneficial to you as you kind of do a checkup, um, or maybe just kind of in general reorient yourself to uh, something that's biblical that the Lord commands for believers. So all of these are founded in Scripture. They're rooted in Scripture. So I hope they'll be a blessing to you. The first way to be a committed member in your church is to attend regularly. Attend regularly. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 tells us to do this, tells us to not neglect meeting regularly. Uh, It's important because we need to spur one another on. We need to warn one another or be warned by the scriptures. We express love when we're gathered together regularly. You see this in both the Apostle Paul and our Lord himself. In John 17, there's that striking part of Jesus's prayer where he tells the Father that his desire is to be with his people, specifically referring to the disciples and all who would believe by the disciples' word. He knows he's going to heaven. He knows he's going to be with the Father in glory, but he says that he desires, longs to be with his people. So if the Son of God longs to be with his bride, and even Paul who's traveling from different places, planting churches, then going off to plant other churches and sending others to strengthen the churches he's already planted. He he frequently writes and says, I long to be with you. I want to, I want to be able to give you some spiritual gift. I want to benefit from your faith, like he tells the Romans. So in our Lord, we see a longing to be with his people. In Paul, we see a longing to be with his friends and his brothers and sisters whom he loves. Why would that be any different with us today, brothers and sisters of one another, people who are members of the family of Christ. So to to go for seasons without attending regularly or letting lesser things creep in and take over the Sunday schedule is really a harm. It's disappointing. It's discouraging. A committed member of a church should be one that's regularly present. It should take a lot for us to get Uh, thrown off track on a Sunday morning, or it should take a lot for us to miss a Sunday morning. It should take a lot because our brothers and sisters are there, and the Lord has called us together on a certain day of the the week to hear from his word and to bring our gifts, to bring those gifts that are financial, bring those gifts that are uh, given by the Spirit to allow us to benefit one another. He's called us to do that on a certain day of the week. He's called us to remember uh, him and his death by the Lord's table on a certain day of the week. He's called us together in this certain way that's different than a Wednesday evening Bible study or a Friday night youth group. So I would say be a committed member by attending regularly. Uh, One other note on that 
if you do have to miss church for some reason, sick or uh, something else comes up that that's a good reason to miss, if you have to do that, uh, if you absolutely have to do that, I would encourage you to listen to the sermon that was preached um, in that pulpit, in your church's pulpit, the week before, whether it's the regular pastor going through a regular book of Scripture or a guest pastor. Know what your brothers and sisters who you've committed to and who've committed to you, know what they're listening to and how they were being exhorted. That message is meant for the body. You happen to be absent that day, but it's still meant for you. So while listening to a sermon on uh, over the internet or on um, you know watching it on YouTube or however your church broadcasts their sermons later on, uh, it, it, that's no substitute for actually being there. You, you can hear and be benefited, but you don't feel the heat. You're not responding to it with other people in the moment. But it is maybe a good thing to do still. So I would still listen to that sermon. Uh, after all, if you're going through a book like Second Corinthians and you happen to miss one Sunday, it's helpful to hear what was said and explained in that passage so that when you come back the next Sunday, you can just keep moving right along. I've oftentimes, when preaching, noted that uh, a certain person is absent or a per- certain person is gone, and it's rather disappointing because you think they needed this message. They need every message. I need every message. I need all of the words of God that he states in his his word in the scriptures. So it, it's it's just kind of disheartening to to declare something from the Lord and have someone be missing who needs to hear it. And we all need to hear every sermon. So whether that's an encouragement, um, a rebuke, a warning, uh, something to look forward to, whatever it is, uh, make sure that you're getting what uh, what was taught in your church on a weekly basis, even if you have to miss on those rare occasions. So what else does a committed church member look like? These will go faster than the first one. Secondly, they seek peace. A committed church member seeks peace in the body. The church is not a place that is free from disruption, not a, not free from arguments, not free from uh, conflict. So when those things do happen, seek peace. Not just because you're a committed church member, but because that's just what Christians do. So far as depends on you, be at peace with all men, according to Romans 12. So seek peace. When there is a wrong, when, when someone wrongs you, or maybe when you wrong someone, seek to make it right. Seek to be a reconciler. That is a great way to be a committed church member, to seek peace. Third, edify others. Edify others. I would encourage you when you wake up on Sunday morning to, to recognize quickly, to ask the Lord to help you recognize quickly whether or not you are going to church, planning to go to church for personal reasons or for the benefit of others. Do you go hoping that they will sing your favorite songs? Now, that's not a bad thing to hope for, but it's not an ultimate thing to hope for. Do you go hoping that you get the parking space that, that you like best or the seat that you like best? Or do you hope that you go getting a particular type of message and not another type of message? Those are all ways that we can go to church selfishly. Seek to go to your church's weekly gathering as a way to edify others. Think, Lord, give me someone to encourage with my words today. Lord, I'm praying about this money that I'm giving uh, in the hands of the elders to do what they see as best, to be wise stewards of all of our money for the purposes of your kingdom. Lord, I'm praying that you would allow this money to be a blessing in the kingdom of God. Pray things like that. Edify others. Seek to be a help. 
pray for your pastor, pray for the preacher, pray for the elders, pray for the deacons, pray for those teaching Sunday school ministry, pray for those caring for the children and serving the body that way. Uh, Seek to do those things. Sign up to help care for the children. Whatever is needed, seek to be a blessing to your church. This is a great way to go to church, to be a committed member. Fourth, warn and admonish others. So sometimes edifying other people is giving them an encouraging word from the Lord, uh, quoting a passage of Scripture uh, to encourage them. Sometimes it's actually warning and admonishing someone. So Colossians 3 tells us to do this, and it tells us to do this with wisdom. I I love what Enwilibe says in his book. He says, a committed member will not be wrongly intrusive in the lives of others, a busybody. So we're not saying that. He continues, but he also will not be hands-off when it comes to caring for and counseling others. That is so helpful because a lot of people err on either side. Some people are busybodies and need to get out of the business of other people that doesn't involve them, that they don't need to be in. Sometimes that needs to happen in the church. People need to hear that. On the other hand, some people think that anytime I have something to point out in someone's life, I'm being a busybody. That's not true. You're just being a faithful brother or sister. Again, Colossians 3 tells us to warn one another and even to admonish one another, but it tells us to do so with wisdom. So don't be the hands-off Christian. That is an unchristian way of thinking. And don't be the busybody. That's an unchristian way of thinking. Appropriately respond to sin in the body. When you can cover it in love, cover it in love. When it does damage to the greater body, when it does long and lasting damage, get in there and seek to bring the word of God to bear. Take the log out of your own eye and go and seek to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. So warn and admonish others. Fifth, pursue reconciliation. Pursue reconciliation. There are times when uh, it is important for us to realize The Lord wants me to reconcile this relationship before I go to public worship. We see this in Matthew 5, where we're told to leave our offering at the altar and to go and be reconciled with our brother or sister. So if you know there's something in between you and a brother or sister, you have to do this before you both pretend to worship Sunday morning. I say pretend because it's not worship that the Lord accepts. So go and be reconciled to your brother and sister. This goes right along with number two, which is seek peace. So these two are related. So seek, pursue reconciliation. Sixth, bear with others. Be patient with other people. There are lots of things that people will do to you in the body that are wrong. There will be things that people say in the body about you or to you that are wrong. What do we do? Well, we do what our Lord does with us. We bear with. Again, you can find this in Colossians 3 as well. We bear with one another. We carry one another's burdens, according to Galatians 6. We, we, we don't respond negatively to sin. We're there. We will endure. We will help to bear with others. This also implies helping others in what they need. So it's not just that we take abuse and scorn from other people, but we also bear with them in what they need. If someone's struggling financially or spiritually, we jump in to seek to help in any way we can. So we can be a committed member by going and bearing with other people, either when they wrong us or when they need our help. We are going to be strong for them in either case. Seven, prepare for the ordinances. Prepare for the ordinances. 
Baptism is a great celebration for the church. And by the way, baptism is not just a personal thing for the person being baptized. It's not just, oh, that's cute. This is a spiritual high point for you, individual. Baptism is something that the church relishes in. In Acts 2, 41 and 42, you see that people repent. They, they, believe, they hear the gospel, they repent, they believe, and they're baptized. And then they're added to the church. So baptism is that initiation. Not only am I united to Christ, I'm united to his people. And so when someone is baptized, there should not just be, it's not just a spectator sport. We don't just see them baptized and go, oh, that's cute or that's good for them. We think, okay, I've got a responsibility to them. They are now my brother and sister publicly. And so their soul is part of what I care for. I care for, I care for them along with these other believers here. We care for them. That, that's a, it's a corporate activity, baptism is. Although one person's being dunked under the water, we all enjoy and appreciate the fact that we're part of a family who's been raised to new life in Jesus Christ. We also prepare for the Lord's table. Doesn't Paul tell us this in 1 Corinthians 11? He tells us to examine ourselves, to examine first and foremost uh, our body as a whole. Are there factions in the body? Are people neglecting the needs of others in the body? And then are we pretending to be unified when we take the Lord's table? The Lord's table, again, is not a private activity for you that's done in a corner. The Lord's table is a corporate expression of worship where we corporately remember the death of Jesus Christ, where we corporately remember he died for our sins. And we are to have no disunity, no sin against one another. We examine that, we repent of that, and then we say, Lord, we're feasting on you. We're feasting on the fact that you died and rose again for us. We're remembering that, and we know you died for all of our sins. So prepare for the ordinances. Your church probably has some sort of regular time when they do these ordinances, but I would say be encouraged by them. These are corporate acts. Finally, number eight, support the work of the ministry. Support the work of the ministry. Anwilibe says this, A healthy, committed church member receives and applies the grace of God by working to support the ministry of the local church and excels in giving what he has already received from, the, from God to gospel work. So let me give you an example of this. I think it's helpful to support what it is your church is supporting. And let me flesh this out for you. We are called to fulfill the Great Commission. We're called to go into all the world, proclaim the gospel, make disciples of all nations, see, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that he's commanded us. That's our mission. That's the church's mission. So each local church, each Christian, is supposed to do that type of work. It might mean that you actively go yourself to some other part of the world. It might mean, like in Romans 15, where you help send, or in Second or in Third John, where you are become a fellow worker and send a gospel worker on their way. Either way, you are active in either the sending or going. You're active in the getting the gospel out. And then when people are saved in your local area, you are part of the ones who are teaching them to obey all that he's commanded. So you're helping others grow in obedience to Jesus Christ. So we're all part of this Great Commission work. So individuals are. Individuals then make up churches that are. And here's what happens. Some churches have this view that they've got to do everything in the kingdom of God. We've got to send missionaries who do Bible translation and who train local pastors and who do evangelism and who do church planning. Well, 
you don't have to do every single part of worldwide missions. Or a church might think, we've got to be in every single continent, in every single country, in every single state or province. Not necessarily. Just do your part in the Great Commission work. Maybe you support one missionary family to Ethiopia, and that's what you do. You help send them, and you seek to evangelize the lost around you in your neighborhood. And then whoever the Lord brings, you seek to teach them all that Christ has commanded them. That's a great start. You don't have to do everything in the world. Local churches each have different areas where the Lord and resources the Lord has gifted them and allowed them to flourish. So, so do your, lo- your local church be involved in what they do. A lot of people have other ministries that they support, and that's all well and good. So people will support these individual ministries, but the church and the leaders of the church have determined our, our evangelistic resources are going down these roads, or we are going to help the poor in our church in these ways. Be all about those things that the leader of the leaders of your church have determined. Think of what can be done when everyone gives X amount of dollars to this particular endeavor, rather than if people give X amount of dollars to a thousand different endeavors that they all have different desires for. Well, if that money and that prayer and the focus was on maybe a couple of things that your church focuses on, think of the impact that it could have rather than everyone kind of doing their own individual thing. I give $10 a month to this ministry, $10 to that ministry, $10 to that ministry. Oh, and $10 to my church's ministry. That is not the way it happened in the New Testament. The people would bring a certain portion of their money the first day of the week, and they would lay it at the feet of the elders, and they'd determine, you do what the Lord would have us do here. Let's do this thing together. So if the people in Judea were suffering, Christians were suffering, the elders or the Apostle Paul called for, um, called for giving, called for some aid for them. People brought it, left it there at the hands of the elders, and they saw to it that, that it, was, it was cared for in a certain way, that it was all above board, and they brought it to those believers in Judea. Well, what if other people in that church said, you know, I know there are suffering believers in Judea, but I, I kind of go and help give my money over here. Oh, well, that's cute. I go and give my money over here. Again, I'm not knocking outside parachurch ministries. There's a great blessing that they've been to us. But what I am saying is the primary source of giving and support has been in what the local churches themselves have decided to do for the sake of the kingdom. So prioritize what your church is doing. Support the work of the ministry. Support giving to your church so that proper pastoral care can be given to the church. Support praying for the missionaries that the church supports. Support the local ministry. I'll end with this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book on Christian fellowship, Christian community called Life Together. And I'm not going to quote it to you, but I want to I highlight, uh, paraphrase something he says. He says, a lot of Christians have this dream of a perfect community. We'll call it a perfect church. A lot of Christians have this dream. He calls it a wish dream. So they've got this wish dream of the perfect community. And because they have this wish dream, when they get into an actual community of God's people, they actually tear it apart because this actual community of people aren't meeting up to their wish dream standards. This isn't the dream church. And so they cause all these problems in the church and they criticize and they point out the flaws of this church, things like that. So Bonhoeffer is saying, 
don't have this wish dream. The Lord may crucify that desire. The Lord calls you to be in, in an actual community. Look at the churches in the New Testament. They all had problems. The Lord doesn't tell people in those churches, hey, just get out and go to the next one down the street. No, he tells them how to help edify the church and to be at peace with others in the church and how to learn sound doctrine and how to support the, the pastors. He tells them all these things so that the church can then flourish. Every single local church is in process. You will not find one that has arrived. So I would say this, support the work of your church's ministry. It might not be exactly what you want in the way you want it, but support it. We're all in process, and one day we'll all be in heaven together. So, brother or sister, be a committed church member. Help your church. Edify your church. Seek peace. Bear one another's burdens. Do all the things that Emily Bay has listed in this book, and be a blessing to your church. I know so many of you are, but think through these things and seek to make Christ known in your local church. If you've been encouraged by the Give Your Life Away podcast, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you'll find us online at canyonprescott.org. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Give Your Life Away. We are alive.